This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast, back yet again. My name is Brian Robb, joined by Ryan Berndoni. As the Celtics fall to the Philadelphia 76ers without Joel Embiid, 119-115 in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. And Ryan, I just got done watching the fourth quarter. I'm going to withhold my thoughts on those two, but what's what's the thing that kind of stuck out to you stood out to you the most from how this thing ended and just the the offensive shootout we really saw over most of the 48 minutes here, which was in a I'd say a shocking turn of events. Yeah, first of all, uh, welcome to all the masochists and I guess maybe 76ers <laughs> fans listening to this. <laughs> um welcome. Uh I mean there's I have four or five things that stand out to me um i don't know which is the the biggest one the the worst one um the i know you wrote about the late game execution going sort of play by play uh which is i guess maybe the place to start just start at the end here because it has been consistently a standout problem um and they had the game right like it should you can say it should have never been this difficult without Embiid I had a bad feeling about this game coming in as soon as I heard that Embiid was out I was like they're gonna make a million threes this game is gonna get all weird and like this is how sports work they're gonna find some way to lose this game um but right it should not have been that that way they're they should have been able to win this game at home without Embiid but even having said that like they had the game with you know in the last couple minutes they they had the four point lead and the ball and an opportunity to make it six pretty clearly. And they just didn't again. Uh, and then found a way to, to lose it. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you want, should we start there? Yeah. Like, Cause I, I think no, you did go. No, no. Yeah. The correct time. Right. I think that, that's a fair, cause hey, that is a, I mean, it was like game five against the Hawks all over again, like a lesser version of the collapse, but still the same formula essentially of offense goes haywire and defense falls apart. And I guess for me right now, like my almost like, where is the bigger concern for you on the floor in those moments? Is it on the offensive end of the execution or is it the fact that this team can't get a stop for its life when it matters in a close game? I, so I have concerns about their defense across the 48 minutes. I have a bigger concern in the last few minutes on offense in part because their their miserable offense is creating offense for their opponent right like how many of those plays at the end of the hawks game are, are here were sort of half transition or off a straight turnover or off a missed layup which as we all know is you know nearly as bad as a turnover because you just have terrible floor balance and you get these situations where your terrible offense feeds or feeds their offense in a way that in some of these games they the opponent isn't able to score and this goes back to last season in the playoffs too where they're not scoring in the half court this year they've been scoring more in the half court their their opponents as well but it it's just this terrible feedback loop and if you look at the first couple of possessions of sort of where it fell apart yesterday they had two opportunities where they could have gone like gone relatively quickly and ended up with with nothing out of it the one that i think stands out is the one where Jalen pulled it out in transition where it was sort of a like it was a transition opportunity that one of the better transition players in the league could could take, but there were numbers back. It wasn't just like you know one on one or something like that, right? Um, yeah, but like also the possession. Right? Talking about the first one, yeah, yeah. I know the second about. one, yeah, and the, and the possession before that, right around the just over two minutes, like they get the ball across half court with 
20 seconds on the shot clock and don't do anything until there's eight seconds left. And it ends up with Tatum taking a desperation shot against the shot clock because they spend 12 seconds trying to get Maxi switched onto him. And, and they're like, the distances are so great that the 76 are just sort of like the point being, they just wasted time in both of those possessions that they didn't need to, and they would have had much, you know, I, I think better process just going early. And that's the thing that we've seen over and over. So they, they, they burn clock, but not nearly enough clock to get you to the end of the game. Then they turn the ball over or miss a layup at it, you know, or some sort of long desperation three that just unbalances everything. And, and the teams, your opponents go in the other way to, to score. And they, they just have to stop doing that and just play the game like a normal basketball game at the end of these games, instead of just getting these like brain freezes where they stop playing. Um, so that's what's, what stands out to me. And I'm sure having just rewatched it and written about it, you're, you probably can go chapter and verse through what, what they did wrong at the end of the game, but it, it's just really bad. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think you're like, you know, in terms of the offense, like feeds into defensive woes and whether it's wasting time, like the possession you just mentioned, um, like against this Philly team, like you shouldn't, no one's good enough or bad enough on defense where you should be. I mean, they went for Maxi cause he had 5,000 in that spot, but it's like, you can score in anyone on this team right now. Like they're like you, literally wasting clock is just like you said, creating a bad opportunity for yourself. Where if you just run offense, like they did plenty of times in that fourth quarter, like they're going to get a good look and usually right at the rim. And the, the you increase your odds of doing that. If you start your offense with 18, 20 seconds on the shot clock, as opposed to eight or six, when you wait for a double team and one deflection can send everything haywire. So, um, but yeah, I think, and the other, I think, huge issue, right? Like in this game, like Jason Tatum was literally on the floor after every offensive possession. Um, whether it was getting fouled, like missing layups, even making layups, like he helped them get into a lot of five on four situations because he was just out of control of points offensively. Some of those could have been fouls. A lot of those, I think, were just him trying to work for fouls and not getting it, but. He had a rough, you know, for as good as he was in the first 42 minutes of that game, offensive, you know, 39 points there. He really came up short in the fourth quarter uh, when it mattered most on both ends of the floor. He had some defensive miscues too there that really um, put this team behind the eight ball. Yeah, I don't think I actually ended up sending the tweet, but in the first half, he had those two pretty close to each other um, layups where he basically was, you know, crying for an and one. Uh, in a game that nobody had shot a single free throw. <laughs> right? it's like, right? there, that... there had been, at that point, I think, three or four total fouls called in the game. It was very clear that in the first half, nobody was getting a foul call. And he was was complaining about, like, questionable and ones. Like, did his arm get hit? Probably. But, like, I nobody's getting foul calls in the game. So what are you doing? And I was going to send, I like I said, I don't think I actually sent it, but I had like written a tweet that was like, Tatum needs to understand that he's not going to get these calls because no one is getting these calls. You know, Harden complained early on about a, what he thought was a landing zone uh, foul, right? but then stopped complaining. And it's this James Harden we're talking about, like one of the preeminent foul drawers was not whining about the lack of foul calls. And, and Tatum was and continued on doing it through the entire game like he is, is prone to do. And just a lot of his the worst parts of his game um, get, you know, get highlighted at, at the end of the games because he has the, the ball so much and has so much responsibility. And like, he just has to 
be better about pace and focus and, you know, not turning the ball over in stupid ways. Um, and it, it, it's hurting the team, <laughs> his, his late game problems. He's a great player for, like you said, for, you know, 42 minutes or something like that. And a very, uh, uh, at the end of this game, when they fumbled the, the final play, it wasn't, but it, he has a history of being a really good player when you need a basket with two seconds left as well. It's just like that range from like five minutes until the end of the game, he, he's like a different player. And this is three coaches in a row now who haven't been able to like get the team to operate in a different way, which means you have to look at the players and say like, is there something about them where they refuse to do it or, or something? I don't know. Um, it, but it's, it just leads to these like collapses that we see over and over again in the playoffs that are potentially going to cost them another opportunity for winning a title. Like uh, it, it's that bad at, at the end of the games. Um, yeah. You want to go through some of the other things that that I have? Yeah, let's let's about? see. Well, let's switch off here. Yeah, you go for your next one here. All right. So, do you, do we want to just talk about the the general defensive plan against players like Curry and Trey, and now yesterday Harden, and yes. what they're doing for yep. through, for the completion of the game? Like, I don't, <laughs> I, think... I don't get what they're trying to achieve here. Um, what do you What are you seeing? <laughs> it's. I would agree. I mean, this was a situation where I think, in particular. The look, the coverage choices from the switching everything to even straight up like having Brogdon and Al Horford on the floor um, defensively late when you are switching anything. I think that was a huge mistake um, given where what kind of game Harden was having and given the fact that um, everyone else on the Sixers was like like the Celtics couldn't stop anything. They couldn't stop Harden. They couldn't stop supporting cast. Because a the like the whole team wasn't locked in there, but scheme wise, what they were doing just was not working at all, and it was giving Harden and the rest of the team like exactly what they want. And I thought, I thought Al in particular, that like after watching had a real rough night to the point where it's like you cannot between the drop coverages and um you know giving and not being able to handle the likes of like Tobias Harris one on one, like it makes me wonder like where Grant is or where Derek White is in this series, given especially given how bad that lineup, that closing lineup has fared in the regular season. Those that was a net negative fivesome out there um in the regular season. We saw that again, I feel like last night. Yeah. Uh, Al was minus 17 in 30 minutes. Yep. In a four point game. Not great. <laughs> um, it, he was getting getting taken apart and he you're he's playing they're playing against a team that's playing one energy center. Paul Reed or centerless minutes, right? PJ Tucker center, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and you can say, well, Paul Reed's an energy big who's going to get rebounds. And you, Al sort of gives you the combination of like a big who can do that, but also theoretically switch out. But he, he didn't do either. He was getting killed in the switches and Paul Reed got two big offensive rebounds late in the game. Um, and you're, you've got two guys who would seem to be better fits there, right? Rob, who hasn't like, I get that Rob and Grant, that neither of them have been playing to the level that you would like to have them playing at, at towards the end of the year and into the playoffs. But this is like the series. That's the game where you need to be playing them but without Embiid. Like if Embiid's in and you can say, okay, well, we need to have Al and he just needs to play better. Um, but when the opponent on this is like Paul Reed or PJ Tucker, well, you've got a better version of Paul Reed and Robert Williams and you've got a better, I mean, if Tucker's not going to shoot at all, like a, 
you've, you've got Grant Williams. Like, what are you doing? How is Grant Williams played four minutes? How, how did you get through the entire season without ever really playing him as a small ball center, knowing that you are going to have to face Trey Young and other games like a James Harden game, right? Like you need to have those, th- those different clubs in, in your golf bag here so that you can not like get stuck in the situation that they have been of like straight switching Al Horford on to James Harden after you've been, you know, got burned by just trying to drop him. And like, I don't, Missoula has got to be faster on the uptake on in these playoff games. You, there's not enough time to like screw around with. I'm, I'm you not know, going to keep the faith in somebody who's having a terrible game. And when you like need to win, <laughs> um, yeah, it was like in the, I feel like, right. Like you look at game six against the Hawks, like they did a lot of mixing and matching in the last five minutes of that game. And it worked. And it like, and everyone kind of like smart was in and out. Grant was in and out. Rob was in and out there. And they, you know, they kind of, you know, that's not going to work every time, but, this is a game where the Celtics didn't make a sub with, you know, from the nine minute mark of the game. Um, despite, it that despite what you saw out there in terms of like the struggles of Al, which is like you said, oh, that's alarming. I didn't realize that it was that long since the, uh, that they went without any subs. Um, it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like I get that you want to have defensive principles uh, and that you can do some amount of changing things up, but like, and sometimes you do run into a player who's just so hot that you that there's not a whole lot you can do. But like four minutes into the game, Harden's got 12 points and you're everybody in the world is looking at it going, oh, that's what this game is going to be about. Like, how, how do we what are we going to do to change that? Um, and you see them throwing out junk zones and doubling a lot more intelligently on on time and situation and the things that you would expect a Celtics defense to be able to do that, that we've seen them do in, in past years. Uh, and they they just are so slow on the execution and on, on some of the changes of these things. And they look like they're uncomfortable playing in certain ways that should be like natural based on the roster composition that they have. Uh, and like I said, it's, it's three series in a row where these like, we're going to stick with these drop coverages for a long time against like the worst possible players to be playing that way against, and then try to mix it up, but with the wrong personnel possibly, uh, or in ways that are just sort of too easy to exploit. Uh, so I'm concerned about that. Like I said at the beginning, I'm more concerned about the defense in general. Although I think it's the offense at the very end of games that's that's making things crazy. Like there's no way that this that the 76ers should have scored the way that they did yesterday without Embiid. And right off the jump, like just everybody was <laughs> was doing whatever they wanted. Um, and a lot of that is because the the Celtics sit back and into kind of a soft defense. That they and also they create you know turnovers. Like that's the other thing. Like yeah. you have this. They, Four they turnovers two, for, or no, six, six turnovers for them. Yeah, six turnovers total. And and meanwhile, they give it up 16 times themselves. And like, you just don't win games if you have a negative 10 turnover differential. You can shoot a crazy 65% E field percentage and lose because you are ne- you know, negative 10. They didn't force any turnovers all year, despite having playing like two premier defensive guards, two rangy wings and small ball centers. And they somehow don't force any turnovers while, while they just play this sort of soft, okay, we're going to numbers game sort of defense that is fine in the regular season, but when the players are just better in the playoffs, it doesn't seem to actually be working. Yeah, it's it's tough to, like, given how this team has played defensively in the postseason, it's, it's a wild thing that this is, like, the third best defense in the NBA. But, like you said, the, the flaws are, are coming full circle here from a scheme standpoint and, like, you know, just better players and the fact they don't 
force turnovers, that looks huge on a night like last night where the Sixers are able to get, you know, whatever shot they want for the better part of 48 minutes. And the other thing that, and in terms of like adjustments of Joe, like the, the Sixers took Paul Reed out of the game before that last Harden three and that possession. So it's like at that point, who, PJ Tucker is their biggest player on the floor. Like why is Horford even, if you're going to, if that's your team, why is Horford in the game at that point? Like and part of the you, answer that's probably because you don't want Rob, I guess you don't, and Grant hasn't played. And so they're not going to go grand. You can throw say, oh, Derek White in there. White in there. Absolutely. Derek White. And, like the, and you say, go Tatum is the biggest player on the floor at that point. And you, and you should be fine. You should be able to, right. to secure the rebound. If you force the shot that you want to force. Like have, and they just you can have five guys that. on the, you can have five guys on the floor that can guard James Harden comfortably. Absolutely. And they just, they don't, they're not, Missoula is just not creative in his defensive application at, at this point. It doesn't seem, um, so another topic, I don't know if you were, if you want to go, we talk about Missoula. Like we talked all year about Missoula ball and taking a lot of threes and do they take too many threes and how many threes? 26 is not enough. I know they had a crazy EP goal percentage. Like they very efficient getting to the rim, but that doesn't include the turnovers when you're trying to force the ball to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to be aggressive, but 26 threes is not enough. They, they lost the, you know, the 76ers took 12 more and made seven more. And it's, Again, the numbers are just really stark on these things of like if you ter- if you have a negative turnover differential of anywhere close to what the Celtics have, if you if you make seven fewer threes than your opponent, if you take 12 fewer threes, like you are going to lose these games, even if you do a lot of other things right, like make a ton of shots at the rim, limit your fouls, do all those things like that's all great. That's why it ends up being a close game and both teams score a lot. But you just like you can't those these are mathematical problems that you really cannot solve over a seven game series. You can solve them in one game. You can get lucky where you win a game where you have those sorts of things. But like strategically, that that's like unacceptable. They needed to shoot more threes last night, even thinking that they were being really successful at the round. And where do you want those threes to come from? Like, are you? Well, Tatum only took five. He right, Tatum five. five. I guess that's the biggest one. It's like, yeah, like, <laughs> like Tatum and Brown took were were seven for nine from right. from three. Harden alone took fourteen. Yeah. Melton took six. Melton took two made two sideways movement threes in the first half. Like, you, you just have to take and, like, get more of them. I know it's easier said than done, and it feel it really does feel like in that game, like, why would we take threes if we're getting to the rim all the time? You're just like, again, you are getting to the rim a lot. I understand that. More efficient on two points, two-point shots than three-point shots last night, I think, if you don't include the fact that you have, like, Jalen turning the ball over because he's trying to like fancy dribble and break down a guy to get to the rim. And he just turns the ball over twice into two transition opportunities the other way in the first half. And it's like those, those opportunities are the difference. You know, they're not the difference in the game. There were many, 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 many other possessions where things go wrong, but it's like you, you have to get a better shot mix in, in total Uh, even, which is ridiculous to say in a game that was that efficient, like one of the most efficient offensive losses in like playoff history um, in terms of just yeah and, but you still like Missoula ball was sort of predicated on working on movement and threes and like playing against the team that is not like a defensive you know they've got Maxi and Harden on the floor for most of the game they had a six eight center like I I get it but that's that's just not enough to win the math game right like, that they have to be better about that right I mean it's 16 turnovers leading to 26ers points. Smart. I thought Smart actually played a really good fourth quarter, but fourth the sixth quarter, turn, he was great in the fourth quarter, but like he was, yeah. he like some really just 
bad turnovers, sixth of the night. Jalen, we know for like he has a turnover problem forever now. Um, and that uh I honestly think that may have come back to like haunt them in the fourth quarter there. I feel like he got a little gun shy on the like that play we talked about earlier, perhaps because he's had so many just, you know, drive against two situations and have nowhere to go with it. So and he was complaining about after the game about just how, not having people running with him, which is like I get, but also, you know, there's there's layers to that as well when you're, you know, at game 40, you know, minute 46, 47 of the of a game and Jason Tatum hasn't come out in the second half. So it's I agree. Like you wonder how much of that is when they get these great opportunities, like, you know, kicking it back out for the three, like making that extra pass so you maximize your efficiency for Brown and Tatum. But I think this was a this is a rough timing night for Horford White smart those guys went one of 10 from three and you'd think that number would have gone up a lot if either any of them felt comfortable there but once they did i think the the mentality across the team was just like it's get inside get inside and that kind of played into the sixers hands once they went with this like you know hybrid zone man yeah, went to the zone and it just was like all suddenly some of those opportunities to just drive straight to the rim and, and where is the stuff of tatum flashing to the center of the zone and then facilitating to open three-point shooters that we have seen at Right. numerous times to force other teams out of those zones in the past and they just like that kind of stuff didn't happen and i think part of that is like again why did grant williams play four minutes and sam hauser play five minutes like one of those guys probably grant in this series needs to be needs to like play more um and you know is like you said tatum doesn't play the entire second half or plays the entire second half does that have something to do with why he struggles in the end of the game we talk about exhaustion for Embiid all the time right over the years oh he'll wear down when he has to play these big minutes and he'll make make mistakes at the end of the game well maybe that's what happened to Jason Tatum right in the exact same way uh this isn't like a secret mystery of basketball like guys get tired when they when they play all the time and like you have other players who especially in a game where you're facing like Niang and McDaniels and like you play your guys who who can help um and can do some different things to, to limit where you have these obvious problems in the game. And, and they just were like, no, we're, we're not going to do that. Um, Pretty good three-point shooters. Grant Williams and, Brown and, Brogdon and just hope they, they get you all the way there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's... All right, so let's look ahead. I mean, like, let's look at... I mean, let's, let's look at the adjustments game too, and we can do that with any other, um, you know, takeaways that you have here. Embiid, I, I assume, honestly, that... Should he's, not play. He's not going to play. Like, they have no the reason... Best thing, yeah. They have no reason to play it. Like you're 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 playing a house money. You you get a better chance that he's healthier, and you're playing every other day the whole series. So why like this win saves them having to rush him back essentially? Yeah. No. The best thing for the Celtics would be a sixty percent Joel Embiid on the floor next game. Okay. Absolutely, it would be the best thing that they could have. Uh, he should sit the next game and then accept the MVP award at the beginning of Game Three and have a crazy crowd. Uh, and if he can play in that game, you know. If it's one one, you, you talk about it then. Um, if he doesn't play the next game again, like when part of the problem with all these games and the concern with when they drop game five against the Hawks is like in the modern NBA, you are exposing yourself to shooting risk in all of these situations. You can say that they should come out desperate and play much harder next game and all that, but like 76ers could just shoot 48% from three and the Celtics shoot 24% from three and like they would lose again. And they could do all a whole bunch of stuff right and just miss a whole bunch of shots. Like you leave yourself exposed to these, to, to you know that that sort of thing. 
where they could lose game two even without Embiid. Like, they, I don't see why he would play in this next game unless he's way better health than what has been, you know, what we've been led to believe. And like I said, honestly, I think the the best thing for the Celtics would be if he plays 28 minutes at 60%. Like, okay, that that would solve actually some of the problems. Um, and I, I, would, I would hope he wouldn't play at all if he's six, really 60%. You know what I mean? Like a hobbled Embiid trying to play through a, a pointless situation would probably be good for the team, good for the Celtics. All right. So assuming that adjustments against this Sixers lamp, let's say Embiid, we're going to save until Friday. Celtics clear must win game two for them. Number one thing for me, when you're looking at like beyond just like starting playing the guys that we talked about, like making sure Grant and Sam Hauser get a chance here, maybe pulling back a little bit on Al when the Sixers go small ball. Um, PJ Tucker, zero shot attempts. Like, take advantage of that. This is a guy who does not want to shoot the ball, whether he's at the three-point line or he's at the rim. And I feel like the Celtics helped off of him, like, pretty much not at all in this game. And I feel like that's a very easy situation where whether you want to cover that up with zone or just, like, you know, mix it up by throwing doubles at Harden or whatever, like, you can take advantage of that if they're going to have him on the floor for 35, 40 minutes a game, which they clearly are going to do with Embiid out of the lineup. Yeah, and, and at the end of the big Embiid scoring game, he made big threes at the end of the game, and you just have to live with that risk. Yep. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to, to take advantage of that. As we've seen, lots of different playoff teams in recent, not even all that recent seasons anymore, just take players and say, like, all right, well, we're not going to guard you. And then just don't guard them. Like Rob Williams just, you know, wandering off him or, or Grant or whoever. A place to hide Hauser, right? I don't I don't think this is a real Hauser series. Like this seems to be much more of a Grant Williams series. Uh, but what, like, yeah, I agree. You have to make that, make him pay uh, or make it pay to have him out there at all. Um, now, he should probably be suspended for the next game for everything <laughs> around and and. How they not you look know, at that? Tatum in, in the groin, and then how how that doesn't get reviewed is beyond me. But uh, he's not going to be suspended. I don't no, know. he's not. No of chance. Of course not. They didn't even look at it on the monitor, so there's no way that he does. But like, really dirty play that in the moment Reggie Miller was like, "Well, that's he didn't know he was there." And you look back at the replays, and you're like, "Why was he doing it then if he didn't know anybody was there?" Um, but that's sort of beyond the beside the point at this point. They just need to take better advantage of of having him out there on on the defensive end. I agree. Just. It's Gee, like, like right, like leave like, him alone entirely. The Sixers have when and when Harden is playing at this level, and maybe that this was a shock to Missoula and just everyone on the floor that Harden could get back to this level after a complete dud of a first round. But maybe he can't when there's only one day. Yeah, maybe this is it. Like we'll see. Maybe it was just well, whatever, but it might not be. Right, like this is this is what you have when that's the one guy you have to figure out when Embiid's not on the court and they clearly were not ready or did not have an adaptable game plan to do that um, in game one. And that's, there some, seems to be some easy solutions for that in game two. Beyond that, it's like, I don't know. I mean, this was a situation where I, I'm more and more convinced now that like Derek White, even in an off shooting night that he had, like he probably just needs to be on the floor in crunch time for things to happen better like i i feel like just from a defensive standpoint like having if you're in a role of horford and brogdon out there 
that that's just I think you're leaving yourself very vulnerable defensively. And I don't think the upside of Brogdon offensively has been good enough most nights here. Where he was good again, he was good early in those first three quarters last night, but I feel like after that he left a lot to be desired in the fourth quarter. Um, clearly with the turnover late and you know some you know lackluster oh, defense. Like, and defense. I mean that turnover right the 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 L2M reports gonna come out and say that that should have been a yeah like, be a twenty four second violation. Again, what difference does it make? Like, um, it, I mean, it may have made a difference in the game, but now it doesn't matter. I think part of the problem with Brogdon on the floor late is that the way that they play does not play to his strengths, right? If you're if you're just yeah. bleeding the clock until six seconds and then running one pick and roll and there's no time to move the ball around or have a second guy drive a closeout or take it to an open shooter and then swing it, like the ways that he frequently scores when he's not just on the ball with second units and driving past guys, he doesn't really give you a whole lot if if all you're doing is like wait 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 try to get maxi on me try to run a tatum smart pick and roll two seconds left on the shot clock there's not enough time for, for him to do anything so unless you're going to have him out there and say you are running point jason tatum you are off the ball um and we're going to start the offense at 12 seconds then i don't i don't know the point of having him out there now you could argue that that's what they should do that like especially in a night like last night where White didn't really have it and, and Brogdon was having a good offensive game in the first half, like you could absolutely make the, the argument that Malcolm Brogdon is a point guard and should be playing point guard at the end of the game instead of Jason Tatum killing time out by the half court line. Uh, but if they're not able to do that or not going to do that, then yeah, at that point, I don't really see the purpose of having him on the floor. Um, and what, who you're placing with, like absolutely, you almost always you would think it would be Derek White. Uh, but like we talked about, like last night, the problem was like they had multiple guys on the floor that they shouldn't have had on the floor at the end. Like yeah. on that last possession, it, it like it should have been Derek White and Grant Williams or or White and Rob Williams if you just figured Grant hadn't played enough or or neither of them. Or like right, just like there are a lot of opportunities. Or just fight there. through the screen, like yeah. like, like don't, don't give them that switch. Like that's what they want. Yeah. Don't give it to them. Like when the Celtics wanted to call up the switch, they just didn't do it. Right, the the seventy sixers on right. multiple possessions were like, oh, but we're just going to pre switch and send a different guy up there. Like we're going to space the floor and or balance the floor in a way where we just don't have to give up this one matchup that we don't want to give up. But yeah, also, I, you hear all this stuff about you know Marcus Smart can't be screened and all this, and then like I, I get that there are some screens that you can't get around, and sometimes you do end up having to switch, but don't just give it. <laughs> um, don't just give it to Trey Young at the end of the game where he gets a very similar shot to win that game. Which Jalen didn't do a whole lot wrong in that in that spot. Like it was a crazy shot and, and all that. But um, there are times when you, it would seem to make sense to get the ball out of the guy who the hands of the guy who has forty points and loves to shoot thirty something foot pull ups in in both of those situations. Um, so it, they lost the game that they should not have lost in the playoffs yet again. It's disheartening and frustrating and like, not not a whole lot of positivity coming out of it. So hopefully they turn it around in game two and then also win game three and get what's, this. <laughs> what's your confidence level going here? What's your confidence level for the series? It's a wrap the up series. I mean, it's the, sort of the same as where it started, where it's like, tell me how much Embiid's going to play. If Embiid can't play for five games or something, or can't Embiid play comes back game three, regular level, he comes back game three right now. I, I mean, they're, they, they have to win four out of six now. And four of those games are on the road. Like, um, or sorry, yeah, three of those games are on the road. Um, so it's I'm not super confident. I'm not like I don't think the whole series is lost and that they can't win by any means. But um, I I've felt better in the past. <laughs> How about you? Where are you on this whole? Yeah, thing? I'd 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 go like sixty forty. 
in the Celtics here for to win the series Seriously, at this point. Really, I think I thought it was an, okay. an 80 20 before the series started. Now, you know, that's obviously takes a big hit, but um, yeah, I just think that there so, are so still easy favored, even though they're down already. Yeah, I still think, yeah, I, okay. I think. I think with adjustments, this is not a series they should lose, even, you know, having to win four out of six and including. I don't know that they can make adjustments. Well, that's, I guess that's a fair, that's a fair. uh, We could, we could, there's a whole conversation to be had about Missoula and the ups and downs of this season and the things that we were worried about with him. And then, okay, at the end of the year, right the ship and hopefully this is all going to go well. And then a lot of those things that we were worried about during the year, are they, you know, is, is this a big, too big of a stage? Um, why is there no veteran head coach with playoff experience sitting on the bench next to him saying, Hey, look, they took Paul Reed off the floor and I guarantee you the ball is going to be with James <laughs> Harden. Right? Like, yeah, you'd think that there'd be, um, yeah, that, that'll be a conversation for next week. But, um, <laughs> if, 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 if maybe if the great lose every decision, right. Game six. And yeah, but that's, I think it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride during the regular season and that has continued for the postseason so far for Joe Mozilla and um, game one was another downslope, but um, yeah, I think I think it's a very fair question on your end to be like, are, can the adjustments be made um, when they need to be made uh, to keep the Celtics in the best position to win? But we're going to see that coming up again on Wednesday night at the garden game two. We'll be back after that one to break down what the Celtics looks like as they try to bounce back from that series. In the meantime, Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter at DangerCart. And we'll be back with him and others throughout the rest of the series here to break this thing down. Thanks for listening.